the Buck Off Podcast with Lane Grant. Hosted by Christopher Rennie and joined by Jordan Williams. What is up, everybody? This is your host, Christopher Rennie, bringing you another episode of the Buck Off Podcast. We are starting to get into the, the dark winter of the off season. And I'm not just saying that because it's really cold outside, but as always, I'm happy to be joined by Jordan Williams. How are you doing today, Jordan? Uh, I, I'm, I feel like I say this all the time. I'm good because we're talking about Ohio State. Um, I, I, outside of that, I'm literally physically exhausted and <clears throat> hate my life because moving sucks. And I, I'm on a like very strict deadline to finish moving out of my apartment. And, like a two week grace period seems great because moving in a weekend sucks until you only have that like little random stuff that you're not sure if you want to keep or throw away. And that's all that's left in the house. And you're just like, ugh. And then you have to obviously clean because we're not bad people who just leave the apartment dirty. So, you know. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah, no. you know, I'm good because we're talking about Ohio State. Yeah, we're going to try and talk about Ohio State because, like I said, deep in the offseason. Uh, sometimes we're recruiting experts. We've got a little bit on recruiting today. Nothing crazy. We're not going to give you any tips or secrets on who's coming here, who's not. But, I mean, the final rankings are out, so that should be a little fun. The biggest news, though, was not in football. Uh, the biggest news was obviously the MLB Hall of Fame. So we're actually going to give you guys some baseball conversation on here. And uh, we've got a few other things. But to get us started today, the dead of the offseason is upon us. How, how, how bad does this suck? We've got four. We've got three football games left. And it's done until next year, August. That's miserable. This is literally the worst time of the year. <clears throat> it coincides with the worst part of winter, especially in Ohio, because winter doesn't start until January yeah. in Ohio. It, it coincides football ends the worst time of the year. It's just a whole bunch of people like trying to be the smartest guy when it comes to like recruiting, scouting, the draft, um, coaching, hirings, firings, all of that kind of stuff. A whole bunch of rumors that people just randomly put out there. Um, and yeah, I have to pretend to care about basketball. That was the last one. I have to pretend to care about basketball. We're to the point where we're getting questions by like people like Josh Pate at like 24 seven sports was like, you've got five minutes. What are you using to sell college football? Like, I am not ready for those questions on January 27th. I'm not ready for figurative realignment questions. I don't really need to hear about playoff expansion. It's like I either want football games on or and then I need like a little break of all those conversations. And then those conversations start easing me back in to get ready for the next season. But like, I don't I don't really want to listen to like your top 10. You're like. You're all decade teams like right now. It's not it's not it's not the time. It's too early. Yeah. Also, I, I, I don't want to hear like the um, way too early hype trains like oh, the, the, way the too people early, who, man. The people who had um, Caleb Williams and Spencer Rattler and their top three quarterbacks returning and CJ Stroud wasn't there. And it's like, oh, okay, you know sports. Like, yeah. You're the guy we should trust. You clearly have a handle on this, like yeah, and and I, it's like these are the times where like you get 
some people. These are the top 10 lists. Like you said, way too early predictions for 2022. Uh, the way too oh early. Your way too early prediction had seven SEC teams with Alabama and Georgia number one and two. You are so smart. Like, yeah, right. Um, way too early top 25s might be the bane of my existence because I don't even think, like, like, I understand, like, a preseason poll, you kind of need, like, a baseline to look at. But reality says like I, I like how college basketball does it they have pods they have like tier systems they kind of group teams up like you could be a tier one team a tier two team a tier three team tier four team and you play each other and then that kind of moves you in and out and then by like i'd say because you do a lot of out of conference stuff by january you kind of have an idea of who's good who can be really good who might end up being good but in college football we're already talking about the preseason rankings. We don't even know where half these quarterbacks are still going to end up. We don't even know how many of these teams are going to build in the transfer portal. Like I, I keep seeing this question popping up. It's like, who was the big success this year that's going to suck next year? And I'm like, I could tell you like three right now. One of them's Wake Forest. Mm. I don't think they're going to be very good next year. Next question. That's yeah, like these aren't the other one is, the other yeah. one's Michigan State. Yeah, I, I think it's Michigan State's going to fall back. So, overall, we're here. Uh, the team's in full off-season workout mode. They've been posting pictures about that. The recruiters are on the trail. It seems like there's a new offer out every day, so make sure you're keeping up with that on Lane Grant Holy Land with the state secrets and recruiting stuff. It's definitely where I've been going because I think they do a good job, our recruiting guys, just organizing everyone who's been offered and so on and so forth. Oh man, but yeah, it's yeah. it's unless you're into recruiting this time, it like super into recruiting this time is kind of this time's kind of slow. I got one more since we're complaining. I have one more thing to complain about. I hate the let's grade coaching hires, especially oh. like assistant ex- assistant coaching hires. Let's be honest; it doesn't matter who your DBs coach is. It, it like not like they're either really really bad and need to be fired, Tavier Johnson, or they're just okay. Like, very rarely do you have, like, a Larry Johnson or something where your assistant coach, like, you know, really, really matters. Like, even Al Washington, like, as much as we talk, well, or, like, Bill Davis. As long as it's not Bill Davis, you you can survive. Even the negative things I had to say about Al Washington and stuff like that, if he was under the right system where, like, the coach was making him teach certain things, he would be decent. You know what I mean? Like, if there was a a defensive coordinator that that stressed technique, he could coach technique. Like, it's really hard to be a bad assistant coach. So it's, like, for these people who, like like need to like judge every single like assistant coach hire unless it's like dj durkin who's just a bad guy and also killed someone like it really doesn't matter you know what i mean like yeah it's just like and so like like oh like not to not to hate on wake forest here but if wake forest gets a new db coach he's not going to be carrie combs recruiting five stars and just generating first round picks it's like a lot of this assistant coach's success is is the school he's at yeah, there's what. Like, let's just, let's do some quick math. There's 130 FBS teams. Every FBS team has 10 assistant coaches. That is 
1,030, something like that. I probably shouldn't be doing math without a calculator, but that is over a thousand assistant coaches. And you want me to can like, you want me to like trust your opinion about one assistant coach out of over a thousand and, and like think that it's really like that big. Like it, it's not like, it's really not. Yeah. So and it's, I, yeah. I will say this, like a lot of the coaches, I mean, almost every coach at the division one level, is a really good coach to a lot of standards. Like they have to be to get there or nepotism. We know a few guys in this uh, Ohio state circle that are very uh, either we're close to a former coach or not, but you know, that's everyone gets jobs, you know, it's still, still counts. And that's that, I guess that goes to your point. Some of these guys aren't deserving of jobs and they still have them. So, yeah, but yeah, it's just it's, like in general, the large, the very, very, they're probably like, they're probably like fifteen to twenty special assistant coaches yeah, in the world, and, and they're probably like fifty, like just god awful ones who should never have a job, and then the rest are just good coaches just like, who work hard. And I'm not going to complain about this one guy going to this one place and another guy going somewhere else. And yeah. when it's just like I was reading on 24 seven sports like Billy Napier. They had him ranked as like the number one like staff builder of like all the new coaching hires. I'm like, how do you know that? It's like, who, who, who did he even hire? He hired a bunch of guys from Louisiana and they may be good. But like, why? Did, why are we ranking it? Why does it matter? Like, what does it do? And, and, I, and just We're to up. bring this back to Ohio State, the large reason I bring this up is people are complaining and like talking about who Ohio State hired. And it's like they're going to be good because they're at Ohio State. And yeah. if they're not good, they'll get fired because it's Ohio State. But I think they're going to be good. Like, yeah, like we talked about, like we talked about all the coaching hires. And we discussed, we didn't give them grades. We weren't like, yeah, this is an A plus hire. We didn't say that. We gave some background on what like they've done that makes them good. And that's the really important thing is what they've done. And there's quite a few coaches who can tout that they've had a first round defensive back. There's quite a few coaches who could tout they have a lineman in the NFL. And there's quite a few coaches who could tout a lot of the same things Ohio State staff has. But the reason you believe in these staffs is because Number one, they did enough in their past to earn a trip to Ohio State. And number two, like, there's like, I'm trying to think of a number two. There isn't really a number two. They just, they've done enough to get to Ohio State. I think my overall point is like, every hire doesn't have to be perfect. Like, it's the entire thing. Like I was listening to um, a podcast and they were complaining about Tim Walton because he hadn't been in college football for, for, for like 14 years. But it's like, He's the DB's coach. It doesn't. It, it does not matter. He's the yeah. DB's coach who spent eleven seasons in the NFL. He is a good coach. Really it does not NFL matter that your DB. Yeah, it doesn't matter that your DB's coach hasn't been in college football in fourteen years yeah, because I, it's I love, one out of ten guys. I will say I love how people are always like, "Oh yeah, Ohio State needs to be like Alabama." And Ohio State goes and gets an NFL coach who hasn't recruited in eleven years. Who coached under Nick Saban? They're like, ah, oh, yeah, we don't like him because he hasn't been in college for yeah. eleven years. It's like, kind of mind-boggling when you think about like the opinions out there, like that. And I'm like, 
I, I feel like if you've been a defense coordinator, if you've done all that stuff at the highest level, you could go into a you could go into a recruit's room and probably convince them that you're a pretty good coach. Because recruiting is not that hard. It's literally recruiting to Ohio State is not hard. It's about want to. Just don't be an asshole. Don't yeah. wear cleats in somebody's house. Learn their names. Know a couple of fun facts about them and respect their family and tell them that you're better than the other guy and why. And you yeah. should, whether it's true or not, you should believe that you're better than the other guy. So that's easy. Like, I'm better than this guy because blank. I can do this for you because blank. Here's the list of all, like, even though I wasn't the coach, here's a list of the last 10 players at this position who went to the NFL. Do you want to come here? Check yes or no. No? Okay, I'll go to the next guy and tell him the literal same exact thing Pitch, yeah. while I don't pay for anything on this trip. My flight's free. My car is free. My food is free. Or the parents cook for me, which is free. All I had to do, the worst part of it is you have to talk to 16-year-olds, which is someone that works with teenagers is terrible. I get that. But recruiting is not hard. They could yeah. put me and you on the road today and we could sell Ohio State. Yeah, I We couldn't sell ourselves. I, like, I can't be like, oh, I've developed this guy, but I could sell Ohio State. Yeah. I'd be like, yo, I have seen Chris Carter catch touchdown passes, and I could see you also doing that in the uniform. <laughs> Boom, you're good. You're Chris Carter. That's pretty much what I put in the recruit's like, head. He's oh, coming to Ohio <laughs> State. It's like, oh, you're six foot one ninety. You know who else was six foot one ninety? Chris Olave. You want to be Chris Olave? Come to Ohio State. Next, <laughs> you're six two two thirty. You know who else was six two two thirty? Malik Harrison. You want to be Malik Harrison? Come to Ohio State. Oh, you're six eight. So is Dewan Jones. Come to Ohio State. Like, it's not hard. Like, you don't need to. You know go up and down like every single yeah. hire and uh, out of 10 and people they like what, every hire doesn't have to be the most perfect ideal hire in the world that makes it, the entire most sense about finding guys who want to form a common culture that's exactly and if you do that you made great hires yeah and that's the culture and stuff. Only, like hiring dj durkin yeah and you're as strong as you like I get the whole you're as strong as your weakest link and that kind of stuff but it's just like one coach as I say like I, I've said like with other things one coach doesn't make or break a staff if Tim Walton or Perry Alano or Justin Fry or any of these guys are bad hires they will be fired but the likelihood that they're bad hires is slim because it's not hard like we yeah. didn't like Greg Pudrara but like he was a good coach he was. to everyone's standards, but Ohio State. Yeah, like at the end of the day, he has a bunch of second and third round draft picks. Like Justin Fry is going to get credit for two first rounders, but Paris Johnson Jr. and Dewan Jones, if they're first rounders next year, were that under Greg Studrara. He got uh, NP. Uh, uh, NPF. He got Thayer Munford, who was a seven-year starter, and is going to go at least be a rotational piece in the league. Like he has Wyatt Davis, who was an instant starter for the Vikings. Half of the Bengals' offensive line, although they all suck, were Buckeyes. Yeah. Uh, he has Josh Myers, who was an instant starter, I think, for the Packers. And we still hated him. And it's yeah. like, but that's a hell of a resume. And I just listed that off the top of my head, which means there are people there's that I forgot because, <laughs> because there's off because they're offensive linemen. Like, uh, 
Yeah. So, like, was he there for uh, who was the Ohio State guy? I was gonna mix that. Did we have Jack Muir is Michigan, right? Yeah, I think he was an Ohio State. Jack, guy. Yeah. Okay, I get Jack Muir and Taylor Wan mixed up. Jack Muir is Ohio State. Yeah. Uh, Jack Muir was a starter in the league for a little bit. Yeah, was he's that, had was a lot of guys. He, Taylor Decker was, was a starter in the league. Yeah, I think Greg Sudero was there for Jack. He's been there a long time. Yeah. So it's just like I don't know. It's like we just don't have to spend this part. Like it, we don't have to spend January complaining about the tenth out of tenth guy or which analyst they picked up or something like that. Yeah, it's absolutely. Like, <laughs> uh, and it's exciting. Like I was excited about the staff. Everyone should be excited about the staff. Uh, and I, I wanted to say this. I, I started the the show secession, and I, I, it made me think about like the powerful like dynamics of like the country. <laughs> And like the thing is, Ohio State's not playing the game. They're not posting jobs on ZipRecruiter. You know, they don't need to do that. They have like a black book of Brian Day has a book of people. He's like, these are the people in this in this uh, in this field that I respect enough to bring on to my staff. And it's not a big book. It's not going to be a big book because you're, you haven't seen that many people. You don't know that many people. And Jim Knowles was an obvious standout. And he said, all right, I'm at Ohio State. I'm going to go get the best defensive coordinator on the market. And I'm going to bring him to Ohio State. Like, they're playing by a different set of rules. So, you know, it's not like everyone's on an equal playing field. It's not like all staffs can be built the same way. It's really just it, – it's really – just it's all luck like you could have a really hungry 26 27 year old who recruits his ass off guess what if he coaches dbs he might end up at ohio state one day and that's why it's not fair because he's not staying at duke forever no like perry alano yeah and the only reason he was at sensi is he has absolutely no coaching resume to save his life yeah <laughs> well, i would say like just methodist or something like that so he, like nobody knew who he was he had literally he had draft picks at the university of new mexico that blew my mind that's more impressive than anything because i couldn't even get draft picks at new mexico in the video game <laughs> I did not know he had draft picks at the University of New Mexico. But that's the point. Like, like you don't know who these people are because there's a thousand of them. Yeah. You learn who they are once they get the Ohio State job. Like nobody like no okay. Nobody outside of Cincinnati knew who Kerry Coombs was until until he came to Ohio State. And now yeah. everyone knows who he is enough to cry that he's gone. Like and I'm not saying he shouldn't have left, but that was more his decision in Ohio State. But I'm just saying like Nobody knew who Jeff Halfley was until he was hired. No one knew. Oh, being uh, I don't know. If we're, I don't know if we're talking about this. It's not on the show plan. But nobody knew who Mike McDonald was until he became a one-year rental from Michigan. Yeah. And now he's going back to the NFL. Yeah, so which is absolutely hilarious. So the story goes: uh, Mike McDonald was. Uh, he 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 had he had held a few positions under John Harbaugh in Baltimore, and that's Jim's brother. Everyone knows that. Jim got him for a one-year rental. That's what we're saying, right? That's the story we're going with. John's like, hey, yeah, you can have him until we need him back. Essentially, I don't I don't think I don't think I think what it was, and we talked about this before. Actually, we actually talked about it with Justin Fry, thinking like I fully believe that um Ryan Day is the reason that Justin Fry is um was at UCLA. If you Absolutely. have a tree, when you're building a tree, the thing is you can't take no one and put him at a defensive coordinator, yeah. offensive coordinator, something like, like that. So if you strategically place them in places to build up their resume so that when you hire them back, like it's not 
like an outcry. And so I don't think that I don't think John knew it was going to be a year. But he had Wink Martindale, who was old. So he says, I really like you. Go build your resume up. Help out my brother. And then we'll bring you back. And then Wink Martindale sucked. They fired him. And they brought him back after a year. Yeah. So And the thing is, Mike McDonald got to go build his defense. He got to get a year under his belt. It was a phenomenal defense. And that's exactly how it works. Like, Ryan May sent Justin Fry to his guy, Chip Kelly. He said, we were really good together at Boston College. It was great, but I can't bring you to Ohio State. I can't bring you here. No, That's the offense totally. coordinator there. They already got guys here. So he's like, give it a few years. And then he's like, oh, Chip's got a job at UCLA. Here you go, Justin. I've got a guy for you, Chip. And Because working at UCLA under Chip Kelly is a lot better than working at Boston College or Temple. So you go Steve over there Dazio, and, yeah. then, and then you bring him back and everyone's like, oh, my God, Chip Kelly hired him. So he must be good. It's just playing the game. It's smart. Like, Yeah. And if he's talented enough that you believe in him to give him that recommendation to like say, hey, you need this guy on your staff. Guess what? As a guy, as Ryan Day's past Chip Kelly as a coach, Chip Kelly's like, heck yeah, Ryan, I'll take your kid on under my wing and you can he'll teach him some stuff. I'll teach him some of my stuff. He'll obviously know your stuff already being the Boston College relationship. And then when you come back, it'll be even more lethal. So, yeah, I, I think it's interesting how college football is really emblematic on playing the game. But it, it's really funny. It's just like you can't you can't grade you can't grade those hires because like, if Ohio State goes unbeaten, that means these hires were better than the coaches that were here before. And the coaches that were here before won a playoff game. That's how marginal these improvements are at Ohio State. Like, it's not as noticeable as like if you're Billy Napier, another name we brought up on the show, and you're at Louisiana and they're like a perennial three and nine team and you make them nine and three. Because it's not, it's not on the same level. So you don't really – you can't grade them the same in the first place. Yeah. Essentially, but I just think like that's one of the worst things about it is it's like there we know Ohio State hired Bill Davis. There are bad hires in college football, but you don't know if they're a bad hire in January, a week after they are hired. So you not liking whatever small little thing in their resume just doesn't make any sense. Like, let them coach. Like, let's get to the season. Let's see what they do. You know what I mean? Like, you didn't know that guy existed until he was hired. Like, and now you're going to his Wikipedia page and complaining about something that you yeah. knew nothing about. I'll be honest, I can't wait till one of us next season like writes like, "Oh, here's our grades for all the hires." Like we, oh, we I'm just, not doing that. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm not, just kidding. I'm that'd, be, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> and it was like, "Hey, where are you guys on the podcast?" Like saying like, "Yeah, f this. This is like terrible. This yeah, is really college at, football's off season." And then someone at Land Grant's gonna do it, and we're gonna retweet it and be like, "Such a good article." And they're gonna yeah. be like, "Great." <laughs> and be like, "Yeah, but this one's a good one." That's what I always do. When I, when I do that, I am. I'm always like, yeah, but this is different. That's why I did the draft. Uh, that's why I'm doing the draft articles because they're better than the draft people. Um, yeah. Come on now. But yeah, I, I think – I honestly think the biggest news this week, and it kind of really got every single sports Twitter riled up, and that's why I kind of like it. I, I kind of like – I wanted to talk about this with you because we're on the same page with it. We both got very strong opinions about uh, Sport Hall of Fames. And if you guys are, were living under a rock or don't follow Major League Baseball, there was this uh, era of time called the steroid era 
And a lot of those guys have been on their ballot for the 10 years that they have to get into the Hall of Fame with votes increasing moderately every single year as people kind of grow up, new people get votes. But there's still an old guard that isn't letting steroid era baseball players who use steroids into the Hall of Fame, which is not something that I believe should be the way. And to think that Barry Bonds, arguably the most feared hitter to ever grace a baseball field, isn't going to be in the Hall of Fame, the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, really got me thinking. And to think that the all-time hits leader is not going to be in the Hall of Fame for something he did after his playing career is something that got me thinking. And, you know, at the end of the day, I just don't think Hall of Fames hold the same prestige to us in our generation as they did to generations before. No, and a large part of it is because the people who vote on them tell them I'm stealing this because someone tweeted it and I thought it was interesting. Um, It's essentially telling us that our heroes don't matter. Like like the ones who grew up watching Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, like the ones who grew up watching, for example, because I was really mad about it. Reggie Wayne or or like, you know, these people who have struggled to get in. It's saying that our heroes don't matter or the people we looked up to didn't matter, weren't good enough. Because of like like Terrell Owens struggled to get into the Hall of Fame, like and it was just because like, people didn't it, like it. It was it was so bad that he didn't even go to the ceremony, and that is literally to this day. Regardless, Jamar Chase, what are all these other guys? One of the best players I've ever seen with my eyes. Yeah, I, I think. And, like you, when you there's two parts of Terrell Owens you remember, and just because he was doing sit-ups in front of his house during a contract holdout, just because he celebrated and threw popcorn in his face, does not mean he doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. And here's the thing: he like, and, and, and he, the most important thing with Terrell Owens in particular is what he did yeah. never affected the field. He didn't miss practice. He didn't miss games. Like, no. yeah, he had the contract holdout, which everyone does now, but he. Like, like he, when he was locked in, he was locked in. People just didn't like him, which is fine. But really, when you go back at it and you look at some of the things he did, it's like that doesn't even matter. Like he wasn't a bad teammate. He wasn't a locker room cancer. He just wasn't the nicest person to the media, and he did quote unquote stupid things like throwing popcorn or whatever. And and that was enough. That was that was enough for people to literally spend an hour on first take and the like asking if he was similar to Anthony Brown and he's nowhere close. That was one of the most disrespectful conversations I've ever seen. And so it's just like these people who vote for the Hall of Fame, they can't take their personal feelings out of it. And that's an issue because it's not the hall of, do I like you? It's the hall of the best freaking player of a generation. Yeah. And if you're, if you're talking baseball, David Ortiz was in the Mitchell report. Like he was a steroid user and he apologized for it. And that's the only difference. And he he wasn't as good as the other people. (laughs) He wasn't. Yeah. If you're going to put Babe Ruth or not Babe Ruth, uh, that's a different story for a different day. Uh, If you're going to put, um, David Ortiz in over these guys, like that's you a joke. David Ortiz in over A Rod. Yeah, A Rod is a significantly better baseball player than David Ortiz. 
and A-Rod is probably a significantly worse baseball player than Barry Bonds. So it's like the gap between these guys is ridiculous. Yeah, and A-Rod was one of the best players of the generation. He he was incredible. A-Rod is literally why people our age watch baseball. Like, he was a shortstop. He was, like, the first, like, shortstop I remember who was hitting home runs. And then he moved to third base and was, like, just a typical corner infielder. But, like, it was crazy. Like, you take those players – a lot of people watching Seattle Mariners. The like, fact, what? The fact you only have five say, votes a year. He was he was Seattle with Ken Griffey Jr. Then he was the Texas yep. Rangers, and yep. then okay, he was like, the New York uh, yeah. Yankees. So he had, yeah. he had been around and like he made a lot of money. And I think yep. Roger Clemens said it himself. Like we've already been through this a bunch of times. We've kind of given up on getting into the Hall of Fame. It doesn't really matter to us anymore. I made generational wealth for my family, and that was important to me. And I competed in the sport at the highest level. So, like a lot of these players have come to terms with it, but it still sucks because we talked about it before the show. Barry Bonds was hit X amount of home runs. I think it was 762 was the final number. Set the home run record. Um, was an elite baseball player before steroids really took their place in baseball. Uh, Bud Selig, the commissioner, turned a blind eye to all steroids. So Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa's could hit 100 home runs. And then we they didn't really ever test pitchers. They didn't really test anyone. And then the Mitchell Report came out. Then they're like, we got to test everybody. Said, you're all villains. You're the reason this league's a disgrace, even though they saved baseball, and now they're getting their backs turned on them because of what the former commissioner allowed, and it's just a broken system in baseball. It's honestly horrendous. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a, a million issues with baseball, um, but here's the one of the things that frustrates me the most of all sports. Of all sports, steroids in baseball make the least sense because. Steroids don't make you able to time up a hundred miles an hour fastball. It, it doesn't. It doesn't make you able to time up uh, as someone pitching to a hundred mile an hour fastball, hundred mile an hour fastball, eighty mile changeup, and then hitting you with a twelve six curve and you not striking out. Like uh, steroids don't allow you to be able to see that little ball that fits in the palm of your hand off the bat in a split second. It doesn't make you, it may make you a little bit faster, but if you run a little bit faster in the wrong direction because you can't read where the ball's going, it doesn't make you any better. It doesn't make you be able to catch a ball that's coming off the bat at 200 miles an hour while you're at third base. All it does is if you can do all of those things, it makes your arm a little bit stronger where you can throw to home from 350 feet out instead of 300. You can hit a ball 450 feet instead of 400, but you still have to be able to do it. Yeah, I can and, take all the steroids in the world, and I'm not going to be a good – well, actually, I was pretty decent at baseball. But I'm not going to be a, a major league baseball player solely because I took steroids. What I'm going to do, I'm going to go to some old people's softball league, and be I'm the just young guy out there, oh, I'm in a couple home runs. Like. So we, we did a few, like, exhibition games in our softball league. And we had this one guy in the league who's like absolutely just juiced up and he did the ball a quarter mile and be like, that's fun. I wish I could do that, but I'm not going to take steroids. I'm not going to do that. But <laughs> at the end of the day, like there's a reason everyone loved those Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa seasons. And, you know, for like 10, 15 years, everyone was convinced that these dudes were monsters because they cheated a game. But in reality, 
you put yourself in their shoes. Everyone in the locker room, I'd say 75% of Major League Baseball players are probably doing steroids in the era. And that's probably a low estimate, honestly, in some semblance, whether it's human growth hormones, any sort of performance-enhancing supplement before they tested for it. And I'm just going to say it. like, If you could extend your career by a year or two to make another couple million dollars – and you could do it without getting caught. Like you're going to do it. Like there's still people today who are getting busted, taking steroids because guess what? It gives you that extra contract. It gives you that extra money. It's not necessarily fair, but it doesn't really impact the game as much as people made it seem like. No. And the thing is, I like I actually tweeted this. I was like, it's unfair. Everyone was taking steroids. And someone responded was like, everyone was taking steroids. There are only three people hitting 70 yard, uh, 70 home runs a year. I was like, yeah, but you're ignoring the people who only would have hit 10 who now hit 20. Like yeah. you're only looking at the top. You're ignoring the people who just weren't as good, who just weren't as talented. And they had a slight increase that made them make a little bit more money. Sure. They didn't get the 500,000, the 500, million dollar contract but they got 25 million when they were only worth five because that's them steroids gave them an extra five home runs like they're yeah. like they're, they're everyone different. was doing it it's just not everyone was that good that's like between like, that 360 seven yard home run and that 340 yard home runs a needle in your arm or your needle in your ass that's how you do it yeah, so but it's like, yeah, they were all doing steroids. It just like, you know, someone did steroids to get from double A AA to triple A. You know, someone did steroids to get to make the uh the forty man roster where someone went, went did steroids to go from fifty home runs to seventy. But they were still one of the best players ever before they did that. And there yeah. were still scrubs who do steroids because they wanted to be less of a scrub. Yeah, there's a local guy at your gym who does steroids just so he could bench 225 instead of 185. And wear medium t-shirts. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, what are we talking about here? Uh, well, I, I honestly don't think the MLB, like the MLB Hall of Fame is the worst of them, but they're all bad, right? Like, we go down the well, list, like, No. Uh, basketball Hall of Fame is the worst? You think basketball is the worst? I, I do. I, I think – I think <laughs> – I think we talked about this. I think having it as the Basketball Hall of Fame and not the NBA Hall of Fame and College Basketball Hall of Fame does kind of soften it a little bit. Yeah, Basketball Hall of Fame is the worst because at least despite all of their issues, the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame actually puts real players in there. Anyone can get in the Basketball Hall of Fame. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah anyone. Like, 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 I don't I don't want to get into this argument with you. I don't know how you feel about this. I just want to make this statement. People argued with me for a week, a literal week, when I said Derrick Rose is in the Hall of Famer. Yeah, I don't think you love he's him. not. He's going to be though, he's because the Hall of Fame sucks. He's going to get voted in, but he's not. If you put his exact career and every other sport, he doesn't even sniff the Hall of Very Good. He's nowhere close to a Hall of Famer. He's not an All Pro. He probably doesn't make the All Star team. But Derrick Rose is most likely a Hall of Famer because he had one good season. He, he stole an MVP from LeBron because everyone was tired of him because he was not the MVP that season. Was he not. was just the new guy, and LeBron had won, like, two in a row. Um, he won an MVP. He came, and they're like, yeah, but he came back from injury and scored 50 points. That makes him a Hall of Famer? No, that's just a cool story that I'm going to tell my kids. Yeah. I really like Derrick Rose. He's Wait, not a Hall of Famer. The Hall so, of yeah, Fame represents the very best. The very best of the sport. 
And well, he would have been the best if he was if he wasn't injured. So would Greg Odom. You gonna yeah. put Greg Odom in the Hall of Fame because he was a number one pick or number two pick? Like, yeah, no, it's like, just not how it works. People put Yao Ming in the Hall of Fame because of his uh, cultural impact on the sport. But like, that's dumb. He didn't even score ten thousand points. He didn't have five thousand rebounds. He didn't have a thousand blocks. He was really like outside. Once he got injured, like he was just an average center. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Derrick Rose doesn't need to be in the same place as Kobe Bryant. Rest in peace. He doesn't need to be in the same place as LeBron James. He doesn't need to be in the same place as Shaq. Like, there there are levels to this sport. So, baseball is bad because it has some fake moral high ground of America's racist pastime. Like, baseball is just a a bad sport in general, but they at least have some semblance of rules that make sense for how to get into their Hall of Fame. Basketball decided to put morals in. They let a fan into the Hall of Fame, and the fan wasn't Spike Lee. Yeah, that was horrendous. Like, first of all, a fan shouldn't be in your Hall of Fame. Spike Lee's done more for basketball culture than like a lot of the NBA players in the NBA. Hall I'm of saying, in the like, basketball like, Hall of like how many generations of literally decades of Spike Lee in courtside seats do we have? Uh, like, I think it's like 30 years of him being courtside at the garden. Like, and like, he's one of those guys who just brings attention to the sport. He's one of the guys who helped yeah. grow the sport. People I, have when, literally beefed with Spike Lee. When you <laughs> like, talk about it, cultural like, impact, like he was, he helped build Michael Jordan. And and do I think Spike Lee should be in the Hall of Fame? No. No. But if but you're going to put a fan in there, it should it be, has Spike to be Spike Lee. Like if you're going to be stupid enough to ruin your Hall of Fame by putting a fan in there, and that fan is not Spike Lee, what are you doing? Like what do you like? Like what is the purpose here? So yeah, honestly, so um, the NFL Hall of Fame does the same thing with the morals. We kind of already talked about it with Tio, where they're like, "Eh, we didn't like you." Eh. You, but they at and least they, vote you in. They just, they just don't make you first ballot. Yeah, like the NFL, they've done the thing where it, they haven't really translated the progressive stats to like represent the era versus like back then. Because like throwing for four thousand yards when like Dan Marino did it was a big deal. Now Kirk Cousins has done it like every single year of his career. Do we feel like Kirk Cousins is a Hall of Famer? No, there are not many people in the, who aren't in the NFL Hall of Fame who I think should be, especially that like aren't eventually going to get there because there's not as many arbitrary rules with how long you can do in the NFL. Yeah. And then they also have like the legacy things. And so like there may be some people that don't get into where 60 until they're able to get on like the old people ballot, whatever that's Absolutely. called. I can't think yeah. of it. But like it's it's more it makes more sense. The NFL's thing is more just like we didn't like you, so we're going to make you a second ballot instead of a first ballot or like they let every quarterback in like like yeah. Philip Rivers is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer and he shouldn't but those are minor compared to the in yeah, my opinion, absolutely compared to the issues of the other Hall of Fames yeah on top of that like when you look at it like I, I think they limit the number of votes too so like some years you're going to have like a really good player who's just not as good as five other players yeah. So then you're going to have a second ballot Hall of Famer who probably should have been a first ballot, but like sometimes it just crumbles that yeah. way. And like, like I will never get over it because I think it's stupid. But like, just because they came up in the same year, Reggie Wayne didn't get in over um, over um, Megatron. And Megatron is a is a Hall of Famer, but he shouldn't have been first ballot in my opinion. Yeah, Reggie Wayne and, I think had a longer, more illustrious career than Megatron. 
Yeah. And, and so, like, that's, like, a minor thing that annoys me. But, like, Reggie Wayne is most likely going to get in this year. He's almost guaranteed, I think. So uh, it would be really weird if he didn't. And he's definitely going to get in eventually, even if it's not this year. So just be like, more right annoying there. as it progressively went. Yeah. Yeah, but like the last thing I'm going to say about the NBA Hall of Fame is if Derrick Rose is a Hall of Famer, then so is Kemba Walker because Kemba yeah. Walker actually won a championship. Kemba Walker has one of the best memories in basketball recent history with his single handedly uh, going to the uh, to the um, to the, the, the playoffs NCAA championship because it's a it's a college basketball counts too. He's and he's been to more uh, All Star games than Derrick Rose. And when I said that on Twitter, people tried to flame me for it, and I'm like, so so. Aside from the fact that you like him more, what's the difference? Because if you look at the stats, if you look at the awards, if you look at who's ever won a championship, Kemba has more accolades than Derrick Rose. So why is Derrick Rose in the Hall of Fame, but Kemba's not? Yeah, that's a good question. And um, neither of them should be in there. I don't want anyone to listen to this and think I want Kemba in the Hall of Fame. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> maybe the Basketball Hall of Fame, but like maybe the College Basketball Hall of Fame, if it had one, but you can't even do a college basketball Hall of Fame because they only play one year, and that's stupid too. So. Yeah, absolutely. That's why. I mean, it's just Hall of Fame suck. And we got one more Hall of Fame to beat down. So uh, the College Football Hall of Fame for coaches, you know, like they have a win percentage. You have to have coached at least 100 games with a 600 winning percentage. Uh, I, I think that cuts out a lot of coaches who would be considered like long-term program builders. You know, like. Yeah. A long time ago, there was coaches who coached at a place for 20 years, and it took them 10 years to build it because things just didn't happen as immediately back then. And I think this conversation got brought to my attention when Howard Schellingberger died, the guy who built Miami. Like, Miami was terrible when he took over. They they hadn't won games. They were like two-win seasons, multiple years. So when he got there, guess what? They had a two-win roster. When he left, they won a national championship. But his win percentage is under 600, so you can't have him in the Hall of Fame. His second job in college football, or his second big job, was getting Florida Atlantic to become a Division One program. I don't think you guys know how hard that is to do. Like, it is incredibly difficult to take a D1 program or create a Division One football program. Like, getting the fundraising, getting all the sponsorship. And now Florida Atlantic won conference championships under Lane Kiffin years ago. And I know it doesn't really – reflect on that but how like Schellenberger did a ton of work to get that program there so there's a ton of people who get discredited for that and then from a player standpoint it's like super arbitrary Uh, I think it's a great achievement but it's like probably like they're all I mean obviously any hall of fame you have to be great to get in there but I think college football does a really good job of trying to tell the story of their sport so I'll give them credit where that is and they'll put people in based on one or two career accolades, but they told the story of, like, the 1983 football season. Yeah, although it took a little bit too long for Mike Doss to get in there. Yeah, absolutely. That guy was a multi-time consensus All-American. Like, But, like, they, they still did him right. He still got in. Yeah. And so that's the, again, minor complaint to compared to basketball and major league baseball. <laughs> like yeah, minor, so, minor complaint. But I, I think that's kind of where it comes back to us. Like I, I don't like I like the Hall of Fame. I think the NFL Hall of Fame's cool. I think the Hall of Fames are all cool, but like that's I mean, I'm not from how, Canton. I love the NFL Hall of Fame. Like, that's like, not that how, my field trip every year. Yeah, it's awesome. Like it, it's a it's a great place, but I can't say like that's how I'm going to see players all time. Like just because 
X player wasn't a Hall of Famer. Like Barry Bonds, it was the greatest baseball player of my lifetime. And yeah, I'm not going to be like he's not good because he's not in the Hall of Fame. That's stupid, and that's kind of where I think it lost its luster with us because people didn't adapt with the times there. And the NFL Hall of Fame, I think, still probably holds the most weight of the three pro sports. Um, and I think college yeah. footballs is more of a historic but, museum of the sport than it is a Hall of Fame. Which they could do that and have a Hall of Fame. Like, yeah. I get basketball because basketball is a global sport. They're wanting to recognize contributors and other in college and that kind of stuff. But there should be an NBA Hall of Fame and then an overall Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame that they could do whatever they wanted to. The Absolutely. fact that the NBA as a professional sports league does not have its own Hall of Fame with its own requirements is very stupid to me. Um, and the last thing I have to say about Hall of Fame before we move on is I just think that another issue with Hall of Fames, and we've kind of addressed this, but in general, a lot of it comes to accolades, but it comes from accolades of media people who don't know anything about the sport. And and I think people forget this sometimes when they listen to like, especially people who are like really paid for this. For some of them, this is just a job. Like some of them, they knew they wanted to be a reporter and they fell into sports, never played sports, never cared about sports. It's just what paid. Some of them, they couldn't get into corporate or politics or whatever they wanted to. They started out as job. a twenty. Yeah, they started out as a twenty-year-old intern making five dollars an hour at some sports news place, and then ended up on ESPN when ESPN blew up in the nineties, or on um, or on the other big magazine that I'm losing, Sports, sports Illustrated. Or sports Illustrated, yeah. And, and and they stuck with sports forever. These people don't know sports. A lot of them don't watch sports. A lot of them don't like sports, and you can tell that in the things that they say. And they're and the few college, especially in college football, the few college football beat writers who have common sense literally complain about voting for awards because they say they don't have enough time in their job to do it. And I think we talked about this once before because literally they spend all day covering one team. They go, they're at the game early, they watch the game, and then they sit in the press box. So if the game's at 12, they don't get home till six. They miss, they literally miss 60 of the 80 games on that day. Absolutely. And then you want them to pick to rank teams and to pick all Americans and things like that. Like, and then these all Americans, these all pro teams, these pro bowl teams, things like that are what stop you from getting in the hall of fame. Literally Darius Leonard for the Colts didn't make the pro bowl, but was first team all pro in the same year. And like, like things like that don't make sense. And so that's the other issue with hall of fame because you have people who don't know anything about sports voting on these awards. Like I love LeBron, but LeBron is going to be, LeBron is going to be uh, an all-star even when he's not an all-star. Like, Chris Paul was not an all-star last year. But and everyone likes Chris Paul. <clears throat> so he got the legacy award. And that's going to go into his Hall of Fame voting, which he's the first and, Hall of Famer. But like, Yeah, and know, that's like, not what I mean. But that hurts a player like Devin Booker, who barely got on. Yeah. Who should have been a guaranteed. Like, that hurts – not that he's going to be well, in the like, Hall of Fame, about, but if he was, it hurts Devin Booker's Hall of Fame resume because Kobe Bryant and his 18th year when he wasn't an All Star got, got an All Star, got the legacy, the legacy yeah. All Star. Like it's it's like this stuff is stupid. <laughs> yeah, it's true, and I think a point you made about the All Americans <laughs> is funny because it's Football Writers Association, it's all these people, the Associated Press. Like, why do you think it always gets weighed so heavily to Ohio State, to Alabama, to these really good teams, or to stats? Because that's the easiest thing to read, and it's the easiest thing to gather data on. So, like, 
you know, I love Chris Olave. You guys all know how much I love Chris Olave. I don't think he probably should have sniffed his second All-American team this year with some of these receivers in the country. And that, that might be my hot take. I watched a lot of college football. Uh, he was the third best receiver on Ohio State this past season, sound-wise. So, like, I'm just saying, like, that's something that weighed in the Football Writers Association. They're like, oh, this guy yeah. was great. He scored a lot of touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, Chris Olave was the Bolitnikov, not finalist, but the Bolitnikov person for Ohio State over Jackson Smith and Jigba and and Garrett Wilson. And it was solely just because of his name. And then he literally had no chance to win it because you look at his stats and Jordan Addison's stats, and it's like, hmm, one guy doesn't fit. Yeah, one guy catches all the passes for his team, and the other guy has to share the wealth with two other guys. And one guy is, uh, you know, super hungry, and the other guy is making a bunch of business decisions because he doesn't want to get injured. Risk which is why you should dollars. never, ever, 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 ever come back when you have a chance to go pro. What's that? If you're like What's a that? fifth round pick, maybe you come back. If you're the first three rounds, never come back because it never works. Name one person who came back and really helped their draft stock. It's like Aiden Hutchinson went from like a 15th pick to like a top three pick. That's it. Yeah, he was not a 15th pick in last year's draft. Yeah, he was. He was, he was like the fourth edge guy. Last year, no, he wasn't. No, he was the first round. He had a first round grade last year. Yes, that's because draft people don't know what they're talking about. All of the edge rushers in that, like I like Aiden Hutchinson, but all of the edge rushers in that class were better than him and came on Thibodeau. Yeah. Actually, right. no. He may have went in the first round before that guy from uh, Miami, Jalen Phillips, or whatever his name is. Yeah, he's better than Jalen Phillips for sure. He may have, he may have went in the first round before him. <laughs> yeah, with that, uh, to compliment a Michigan man, I don't like to go to the break with that, but I think we're going to have to because we're at the 49 minute mark. So I will see you guys on the flip side. Thank you guys for sticking with us and letting us lodge our complaints, leave a review about it, even if it's not a happy one. You can send me an email even. We like to complain. Uh, but we'll see you guys on the flip side. All right, welcome back, guys. Uh, how you guys doing? Uh, I hope it. Hope you guys are in warmer weather than me and Jordan right now. I, I keep seeing the snowfall. Uh, it, it's incredible. But, uh, yeah, loaded show today. We, we, we went in on professional sports Hall of Fames. I don't think I honestly think like five years ago that conversation would have been taken so far the wrong way. Like they would have been like, you guys are disrespecting the legends and all these people who worked hard. But I think now a lot of people are gonna be like, yeah, no, you guys are kind of right. Yeah. And honestly, I don't care about what people think about five years ago. Um, It's just like, it's just true. Like there are still a lot of people who very heavily revere them. And we're not saying that they're bad, right? Because a lot of the people in them do need to be honored or whatever. Yeah. Like it's still a cool honor for them, but it's just, there's just too much politics and feelings and, and old guard and stuff like that, that it just diminishes what it could be. Like the hall of fame should be, we're upset because the hall of fame should be so much better and no one's holding it to the standard that that it should should be. be. Like if the hall of fame represents the best to play a single sport, it should be, using the best to make the best Hall of Fames for those best players. And for literally every position except quarterback, the NFL Hall of Fame is that. You can, like, Philip Rivers is not a Hall of Famer, but he's going to get in because he's a quarterback. There's going to be a, a, like, Eli Manning, I think he's a Hall of Famer. 
Mm, I think he is. Uh, He's got the two Super Bowls. That's the reason. Like, would you, would you take Philip Rivers or Eli Manning? And then we'll get into some more. We'll get back into Ohio State stuff. That's not fair because neither of them are Hall of Famers. But Philip, well, first of all, I don't know if you saw me and Dante's uh, argument on Twitter. Uh, not no, it wasn't an argument because we were in agreement. I would put Eli Manning in the Hall of Fame before I put Aaron Rodgers. But like, <laughs> you oh know. yeah, you guys hate Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I don't like him either. But you guys, you guys are on a whole different level with it. Throw Rogan. Aaron, Rod- Aaron Rodgers has done nothing in the postseason. <laughs> at least I, I laughed so hard at Matt and and what's her uh, Jamie's article um, <laughs> when they were going through all the nicknames of Aaron Rodgers. Like. I, I, it, it was just hilarious. Like they had, there's yeah. so many, there's so many clever people out there just, just roasting the guy. And like, yeah. you know, the thing was when he was playing like an MVP, it's like, oh yeah, oh you're just jealous, you're just envious. But when he lost, everyone's like, I've been holding this one in the drafts for months. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> not like, like I, I would put Eli in because first of all, I have two things to say about Eli versus Aaron Rodgers. I put him in the Hall of Fame first because he has the two Super Bowls. But most importantly, Eli showed up when it mattered the most. Aaron Rodgers has literally never done that. Like, literally never done that. And Eli is going to get in, largely because his his two Super Bowls are against Tom Brady. But Aaron Rodgers doesn't show up at all. He's a regular, he's a regular season superhero and that is not hall of fame worthy to me. So, um, but to answer your original question, I would choose Eli over Philip. I just think Eli is a fringe hall of famer. He definitely shouldn't be first ballot. Philip is not a hall of famer at all. Yeah, I know. I'm with you. I I, I probably, I'd probably put Philip in too, but that's probably why I'm not voting. (laughs) Philip is a cool guy, but he just hasn't done enough. Like he's never even, He's never he even has been more to kids in playoff appearances, and I know he has a lot of kids, but he yeah. also played I mean, for a really long time. Which is why he like his stats are good because he played for seven hundred years. It's not like and he like, was I'm not ever a bad quarterback. He just never was not. the best in the league at any given time, and I think that no. needs to be weighed in it. So yeah, I, I mean, Hall of Fame's like that's the thing. Like we just debated Hall of Fame for like almost like thirty minutes there, or talked about them, and that's like where we could go on for. We could probably do a whole series on it. Yeah. That would yeah. be fun. Not on this podcast because nobody would like, be like, can you talk about Ohio State, please? But like, yeah. that we could do a whole We're series. In the off season. No, I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the big news of the week for Ohio State was the Big Ten announcing that they plan on removing divisions, which, if you guys have followed Jordan, it's been a very big contentious point for him that they should just get rid of him and i agree with him i do uh if any like so for the history like everyone wanted to have a conference championship game at one point like the sec and the big 12 so would that mean they had to create two divisions but then guess what the big 12 lost half their teams so they had to do it with 10 teams and they had everyone do a round robin tournament throughout the regular season, put the two best in, and it was completely feasible. So now teams don't need divisions. You can move it down to eight games. You could, with this alliance talk, I think it opens up a lot of scheduling possibilities. I think you can finally start thinking about doing that. And then you have what you talked about earlier and throughout the week, the pod system. So I kind of want to start there with the pods. Uh, everyone's all worried. Hey, like if you get rid of divisions, how will we know Ohio State's going to play Michigan in the last game? Easy. You make it a protected game. Yeah. 
it's not that hard. <laughs> like it's really not. Um, All the conference rules and alignments are arbitrary. If we really yeah. just want to start with it, so you can and literally make whatever rules you want. Regardless of rivalries and things like that, like I understand that that's important for college football. It's what makes college football that they would never do a full round robin in most conferences because it makes scheduling hard. Like not only does it protect rivalries, but doing the pod system or the protected rivalries or whatever makes scheduling easy because you always have X number of teams to schedule and then you just have to do the rest. Um, Having to like figure out schedules for all 12 games, like it just doesn't, it just doesn't yeah. really make sense logically. The Big 12 can do it because they have 10 teams. It's just not like you just play everybody, like you just play nine conference games. It's easy. Scheduling is not hard because you just play everyone. But when you can't do that, it just makes it a, a logistical nightmare. So that wouldn't, and then you add in fans, rivalries, TV, that kind of stuff. It's also a requirement that you, for all those other reasons, but just at a bare minimum, logistically, there has to be some games that repeat. Otherwise, it would be like a a hell of a job trying to come up with schedules. Yeah, to make Ohio State play Michigan last every year and then make like Iowa and Nebraska play at some point and like Michigan and Michigan State play at some point and trying to keep all those games without having some sort of structure before it all starts, impossible. Yeah, it just wouldn't work. So, Or else you'd either have to work, you'd play Michigan in week three or – and that's the thing. And I, I think I think the reason I like the pods that you had was because I think it protected rivalries. I think it protected it, it allowed for some really awesome matchups outside of it. And it also gave each team kind of like a balance of powers to play. Like Wisconsin got Minnesota, their rival. They got Iowa in their protected games. They got Northwestern in their protected games. And you kind of kept them divisionally aligned a little bit because I, I think that's just kind of the easiest way to do it quick. But – like at the end of the day, like it's really it's like I think the Big Ten is trying to stay ahead of the curve here. I think they want to get back to a level playing field with the SEC on the total conference games because it's it's a it is advantageous for the SEC to play eight conference games, have an FCS opponent in week eleven, and yeah, no, it's just like I think I think it's I think the Big Ten's just doing a smart thing here. Yeah, it's really the only thing that they can do um, for a lot of reasons, but especially with the playoff expansion. But like, let's okay, let's just take away all of that. Let's just talk about conferences for a second. It doesn't make sense that in a conference you can go four, five, six, seven, eight years without playing someone, or you can go four, five, six, seven, eight years without playing someone in a specific location. There are teams. It's significantly worse than the SEC. I don't even remember like the exact figure, but like yeah, there have been all SEC teams. Yeah, there have been like SEC teams who haven't played in like eight or nine years. But like even in the Big Ten, there are teams that's like because it's Ohio State. Ohio State wants a certain number of home games. There are teams who have played Ohio State once or twice every five years or so. But Ohio State hasn't been to their stadium and. 10, 15 years. Like, and and that's an arbitrary number, but it's been a while. And the thing is, that hurts their pockets because Nebraska's, uh, what's a team that, like Minnesota, for example. Minnesota probably, maybe they do now because they've been winning, but they probably don't sell out all the time. But you know when they're going to sell out? When yeah. Ohio State comes. When Ohio State went when there Ohio State at the start of the season. Come, that game was insane. 
Yeah, but if Ohio game. State doesn't come, then you know what I mean? So it's like there you can't really call yourself a conference if no one is playing each other. And when you're tied to divisions, it makes it impossible for teams to play. Like I, one um, – Ohio, Ohio State and Illinois played for every year for a stupid number of years. They go to division, they almost never play each other. And the pod system, they're not going to play every year. In my opinion, that wasn't one of my protected rivalries. I don't think it should be. Yeah, it, it could be, be, but I don't think it should be. But even if it's not, they play twice every four years. That's a higher clip than they currently play now. So and- the Illy Buck is still in contention it's still something you can talk about because you play twice every four years and no matter what system you do it's just smart before you add in tv before you add in playoffs before you add in trying to be like the sec and all the other kind of stuff yeah it also and like you said it keeps the tv fresh it it keeps like to bring tv into it it keeps it fresh like you're gonna see ohio state play wisconsin the regular season more you're gonna see him play these better teams on the other side a little bit more. You're also going to see them play the worst teams on that side a little bit more. And that, that's still yeah. fun. Like you're not going to see Ohio state bully Rutgers every year. You're going to see them bully maybe a Northwestern or someone over there. But what you are going to see. And the most important thing for me is you're going to see teams in the current West either get left behind or become better because here's the thing. Rutgers is the number two or three team if they're in the West. Maryland is the number two or three team if they're in the West. Yeah. Like, they suck because they have to play Ohio State. If they got to feast on Illinois, if they got to feast on Northwestern two out of three years until they have super seniors and decide to be good, if they got to play Nebraska more often, they would be a much better team. Wisconsin, Iowa, Northwestern, they can settle for their outdated offense and all these other kind of stuff because they're just playing each other and it doesn't matter. And their fan bases have accepted we still got to a championship game. Well, you're never going to get to a championship game because it's going to be Ohio State. You're going to have to raise your level of play. Penn State is the biggest beneficiary of it because there are multiple years that Ohio State and Penn State would have played in the 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 championship game if they didn't have to play. And with the 12-team playoff, Penn State could lose to Ohio State and still make the playoffs. They could lose to Ohio State twice and still make the playoffs. If that's their only losses, if they're 10-2 and two or two losses to Ohio State, they can still make the playoffs, where with divisions, they can't. And it just this is my biggest reason. It raises the entire level of play in the Big Ten because Wisconsin on some years is good, but Iowa on most years is not better than the East teams. Nebraska's not. Northwestern's not. Illinois is not. Purdue is not. That's half the teams on the West who get these high, who get to go to these bowl games, who get to go to these things, while Rutgers and Maryland have three or four losses because, again, they have to play Ohio State. They have to play Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State. If you rotate that a little bit, it just balances it out. And yeah. I, it's you're going to see, at least for the first couple of years, the top eight teams, I bet you six of them, maybe even seven in some years, the six the of the East. top eight teams are going to be East te- old East teams. And the bottom is going to be full of West teams. But it's going to stop. Like, Kirk Ferentz is either going to get fired or he's going to have to fire his son and stop the nepotism. Paul Chris is either going to get fired or he's going to have to revolutionize his offense. Pat Fitzgerald is never going to get fired, but he's either going to go to the NFL or he's going to have to stop being okay only when they have seniors. He should get fired, but he's a he's a Northwestern guy. That's not yeah, happen. he's the best coach. Like, so he, I think they accept that. I don't know if he is, but I think they accept that he's the best coach they can get. 
it's not. He's just a Northwestern guy, yeah. and they care about that. Uh, and I um, will say, and then like to move on to another point here, for the playoff sake, like the Big Ten doesn't want to be the only team that can't get two teams in the playoff. Like, no, and some years you'll get three. Yeah, because if you think about it, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State beat up on each other, but if one of them gets to redeem themselves in the conference championship, so say. This past year, I don't know if it would be the case. I haven't looked at the records. It's just going in blind here. But say Ohio State lost to Michigan in that game this past year. But they were still the second best team in the conference. They'd go to the Big Ten Championship, have a chance to redeem that loss. And then, boom, possibility of getting two teams in. Yeah, if like two you forgot about Michigan State. Yeah, Michigan State would have made a 12 team playoff this year. If this season plays out the exact same way, maybe Ohio State gets to have that revenge and they win. If Regardless how it goes, if Ohio State and Michigan split, there's a chance there's three Big Ten teams in. Whoever wins the Big Ten is going to get a bye. The second team is going to be 5, 6, 7, 8. And then Michigan State is going to be 11 or 12. There are going to be multiple years that the Big Ten is going to have three teams in and years that they should have three teams in. And that's why you do it. Two teams should be a minimum. There should never be a season uh, like in the 12 team playoff. There should never be a season. The Big Ten doesn't have two teams in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think that's what we're going to see. And like you said, if Wisconsin wants to compete for that, they're going to have to get better if these people. And I think with the current division setups, like those teams are allowed to be complacent. If you remove those, it takes that complacency away. And that's something that extremely important. Because that nine and three becomes six and six really quickly. Really, because quickly. you replaced Illinois for Rutgers and Maryland. And, and for Paul, everyone who Paul thinks Chris I'm goes stupid. from being like, "Hey, he could be here forever," to like, "Yo, dude, like we're used to winning 10, 11 games. I know it's different now, but yeah, that's a big difference." Yeah. And, and for anyone who disagrees and thinks I'm stupid, name the quarterback on the west side that's better than Tulua Tagovailoa. Uh, I'm wait. silent. I, I couldn't do it. <laughs> like, which one is it? Like, Maryland is only looks bad because they have to play Ohio State and Penn State and, and Michigan and Michigan State when all of them are good at times. They're not actually a bad team. And you see that when Maryland blows out whoever they blew out in the bowl game. And you see that when Rutgers is competitive with Wake Forest for a quarter. Or two, and, they, and yeah. we all knew that was gonna, we all knew that was going to be a blowout eventually because Wake Forest had a good offense and Rutgers isn't there yet. But Rutgers was competitive in that game for a while, despite being a five and seventeen. I pro- Rutgers is five and seven in the East. They're yeah. five and seven with almost four guaranteed losses. Yeah, it's pretty. I mean, it's you impressive when you put that it that way. That means they go five and three the rest of the time. They have almost four guaranteed losses, and then they go five and three. That's a good team. You take away two of those losses, they're seven and five. Yeah. <laughs> like, Absolutely. That's just, that's just simple math. The divisionless Big Ten is is for there is not a singular reason you can come up with, in my opinion, that this doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, I think it makes too much sense. I think that's the problem. Which is why I'm worried that they're going to mess it up, because I don't trust Kevin Warren at all. Yeah, and we've been down that road plenty of times. Uh, yeah, but outside of the divisions, I think this was a fun story that popped up. I, I've got a bunch of uh, of the beat writers received a statement from the athletics department about Ohio State's NIL 
uh, numbers. And I, I thought I was pretty – I came away impressed by it. I, I don't think uh, – there was anything you could really complain about if you really want to look at NIL. Uh, Ohio State had 220 student athletes who engaged in 608 reported NIL activities with a total compensation value of $2.98 million. All three figures ranked number one nationally, according to Ohio State's uh, NIL partner, Open Doors. And that is incredible. And before we go any further, does not include the Quinn Ewers deal. So you take that $1 million kombucha deal, and if he was there, $3.8 million. Yeah. Absolutely and that, blowing out the competition. And I'm not sure that that deal has ever been confirmed. Also, the interesting thing about the 2.9 is does that include total deals or just money that they made in that year? Which I think is another it's just thing. money. Yeah, so that's the thing. Like Quinn Ewers' deal may not have made it another million because maybe that's a million dollars over three years. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But I just did the quick math. You said two point nine eight divide out of and two hundred and twenty athletes. Uh, pull it up real quick. Yep, two hundred twenty athletes. Okay, so just for quick math purposes, that is on average, and obviously it was not split evenly, but that is on average thirteen thousand five hundred and forty-five dollars per person. None of them are rich. So for all the people who hate NIL, you're mad at an 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 20-year-old getting $13,000. Yeah. you know, Which I, doesn't cover their tuition if they were paying for it. It makes them significantly below the poverty level. It that's their full-time them. job. Yeah. They wouldn't pay for an apartment. They couldn't have a car. <laughs> like They would be very much struggling. So but just, with all the stuff they get, they get $13,000. To themselves to do whatever and they want that, with. and they should be and, allowed to do that and that's yeah. the best part and that is the absolute best part but just for all the people who are complaining i just want to i just want to put the number out there if you think they're too good to make thirteen thousand dollars on average then you should look in, yeah. and look in the mirror because you are the itchy dude i promise you yeah <laughs> but, and I, I think it's fun i i think i think it skews i think they talked about it there's a few sports that kind of lead the way for it uh football being the obvious one basketball being number two and then a couple of the more popular women's sports coming in after those two men's sports but i, I think it's just such an awesome opportunity for all of them. And that's like, you know, before we talk about slush funds and all that, that gets in there with just the initial NIO plan Ohio state had in the first, however many months it's been allowed. And I think that's just such an awesome start. And I think it's only going to get better from here. And I don't know. I don't know if that 2.9 million includes all the Camaros Rick Reichert's given out. And I don't know if it includes like, what a booster is giving in a charitable organization. But at the end of the day, it's still a significant amount of money. I mean, I saw CJ Stroud and like a subway cutout. That's pretty awesome. Like five years ago, yeah, we couldn't was- see CJ Stroud or uh, who was or JT Barrett in a subway cutout. JT Barrett would have raked it in NIL wise. Anyone you had to worry yep. about the NFL. Yeah. It's, I mean, I just don't know how you could ever complain about it. I think that was so cool. I didn't see the subway. I saw the C4. The C4 uh, was which is, good. Which is interesting that he's on C4 because C4 is illegal in college football. Um, oh, not the energy but, drink. No, yeah, it is. The energy drink is? They have an energy drink? Yeah, it's like the little canned energy drink. Uh, it's not the same thing as the pre-workout? I don't think so. Because the C4 pre-workout is definitely illegal in college football. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I might have been drinking pre-workout in place of an energy drink, but... You know, you, I mean, you know how pre-workout works. I don't know. Maybe it's a different company. Maybe the energy drink is differently. But the actual pre-workout is illegal. And yeah, C4 they're not allowed to take pre-workout. anything. Yeah, but C4 is like, yeah, that might come up. C4 may come up in a test. That is not right. You know how C4, yeah. have you ever done C4? Like, you ever <laughs> used I've it? done C4. I played in junior college. Yeah, you know how you know how C4 pre-workout works. You know you're ready to go to the gym when your ear starts itching. That's not normal. <laughs> no, like, yeah, you start, your nose starts drying up. You, you, you're like, like, all right, time to go get this lift in. You literally start feeling like the sweat start, and you're like, I haven't even moved. <laughs> yeah, I used to. I it, it used to take like eighteen minutes to kick in for me, and I knew it because I would take it before I left the house. And as soon as I pulled into the gym parking lot, my ear started to itch, and I was like, "Yep, ready to go." <laughs> like, it was like twenty thirteen, throwing some schoolboy Q and Kendrick Lamar, and I'm like lifting the entire world. <laughs> like, yeah, you got a, you got the pre workout idea that he. Yeah, I remember because at the R pack I'd use C four and. I, I'd do my warm up sets and all of a sudden I'd be like, all right, let's get the real weight going. And then I'd like still be a little slumped and I wouldn't be the pre workout I hadn't taken on, but all of a sudden I'd feel it kick in. And it's like in those like cheesy movies where they have the guy who's like really struggling and then all of a sudden he gets real strong. That was pretty much my life on C4. <laughs> yeah, but it is, it, it, it's something I am glad I don't use anymore. I will say that. Yeah, because there's absolutely no way it's healthy. No, no chance. Um, but it did help me get some really big lifts in high school. So uh, that's really what matters at the end of the day, not my kidneys. <laughs> no, not not your health. It, what matters is, could you? did you max out when you were 19? <laughs> yeah. All that for two plates. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I, I think... I think, yeah, it's, it's fun seeing players around. It's fun seeing Rick Riker doing stuff that got Eric Dickerson in trouble and got SMU the death penalties. I love that. Uh, who had a really good game basketball-wise? Uh, I think it was Malachi Bronham had a really good game, ended up with a car. EJ Liddell, they finally worked him and got him a car. You know, I'm just seeing all these people. Like, EJ got a Hyundai Genesis. Those are nice cars. He's just whipping around in a comfy – comfy car it's that's just, hilarious that he got a comfy car we're like um uh um who was, henderson like me got a, got a camaro. camaro and that's what i would have like i'd be yeah i would have been, been, been like give me a camaro i'd be like hey rick Riker, i don't want a z71 i want a freaking s-class mercedes let's get this set up <laughs> Yeah, I'd put the 18 in a Camaro, like like at the light on the way to football practice. Like, like you, you want to race? Like, just like, like actually, maybe it's a bad. Maybe nil is bad. Maybe you shouldn't give 18 year olds a fast car because we're yeah. all idiots. Like, yeah. That's only negative we found. <laughs> like, the, the speeding in t- uh, if we were doing some research on the Columbus area with nil, the speeding ticket increase over the time nil went active. The only problem we found so far: market research. Oh man, yeah, but I, I mean, it's fun. I think the numbers speak for themselves. I think everyone was all worried, like, "Oh, Texas A&M—they're paying their players directly." Like, shut up, guys. Come on, we don't even know what's going on here. Yeah, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't. It's it's just because okay. Ohio State doesn't flex every single little thing they do because they don't have to, doesn't mean they're not doing it. Yeah, because they are. Uh, Ohio State 
is not the moral high ground we like to pretend it is as fans. Yeah. It I may love- not be as bad as other places, but it's not good. <laughs> it's still a big business. Like that's like saying like that's like people who are like, um, uh, you like, know how easy it is to drop a bag of cash off somewhere. I I wish I knew how easy it was by someone dropping it off at my house. I never you, got a bag of cash dropped at my house, but I could just say like, if you got a bag of cash out and just left it somewhere, I don't think it's that hard to be like, oh yeah, I just came up on this twenty thousand dollars cash and it fell on my porch. I, I think you can plead yeah. ignorance. If you want to give me twenty thousand dollars cash, I will DM me and I will give you my address. That'll pay for my wedding. So other than that, don't D, don't DM us. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Only for cash for the next week. Honestly, um, if you want to give me ten dollars, I DM me. I I'll give you my cash app. I'll take yeah, the ten dollars. You got to set up your Twitter account now so you could get tips. You shoot a fire tweet off, you'd be like, "Go to the tip jar." I, I, I'm not, <laughs> this, this fire is not free now. Um, but yeah, I think NIL, it's kind of, it's kind of messed with some people's brains, but I don't really think, uh, people, I, I don't think anyone has a full understanding on it. And I, I think, the, I think on three doing the NIL estimated evaluation, something really cool they're doing. I think like we, we talked a few months ago, like what is on three going to be that 24 seven sports isn't that all these other places aren't. And I think he's already done a good job making his fourth site something different than the other three sites. Yeah, uh, I mean, I can't disagree. I just I can't disagree. I don't I don't really know the inner workings of them. I think it's hilarious that one guy has four sites. <laughs> like, like he just keeps the dollars over and, like, and over again. And he's like, oh, I'm just gonna yeah. do it better again. Uh, yeah, I, like, seven sports, it's done. I'm gonna sell it to CBS and Viacom. Then once my non competes over, I'm just gonna build another. Yeah, so I, I don't I don't know. That's real sicko energy. I don't really know what makes them different. Um, I think it's interesting. The one thing I will say, and this is my, I don't even know why I have this opinion uh, because I'm not an expert in recruits because there's literally a million of them. I can't say I fully agree with on three, but I think Devin Brown should be one, two or three when he's like five or six right now. And I do think that he has the best chance to have the best career uh, out of all the other ones. I've heard a lot of things about Drew Alley that make me think there's a chance that he's not going to be successful. Um, yeah. There, I, I, there's a lot of things that I think he has to work on. Same with Quinn Ewers. Like there's like, there's a, there's I a think, level. What's the word? Um, yeah. You know, the, there's a level of, uh, um, I'm going to say completeness. No, I'm, I'm going to say completeness. Yeah, that I, I think, think Quinn Ewers and 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 uh, Drew Aller are lacking. I think refinement maybe might. Yeah, refinement's a good word. I think their ceilings are higher than any of the other quarterbacks, and I think that goes into their projection just because. Yeah. Drew Aller, six four, two hundred twenty five pounds. He's a senior in high school, and he can throw a ball a quarter mile. Like, you yeah, can't do that. I mean, you can't. Uh, his biggest thing is being is staying six four, two hundred twenty five pounds, and yeah. not going six four, two fifty, which is hard when you're that at eighteen. Yeah. Um, but I and mean, I don't like know anything about Penn State. I'm guessing you have a decent. So he throws like a shotgun. It's a scatter shot. Um, yeah, he's one of the he he was decent in the All American game. I I don't think Devin Brown really got a fair shot in that game because Cade Klubnik no. kind of dominated the week. And I, I if I was doing my rankings, Cade would probably be the number one quarterback. Uh, I I liked him. He was pretty solid. I think he'd be my number one. I think Brown would be two, and then you kind of get into the guys like Aller. He's 
really talented physically. Ewers was like outside of like all the stuff with Ohio State. Ewers was for sure the most talented quarterback of that class. I don't think it like popped off the screen like some of the stuff he could do. But yeah, for sure. With the actual twenty twenty two guys who were still in the class, I, I think this is one of the better quarterback classes, probably since. The Lawrence Fields one. I think if you included Quinn Ewers in it, it might be the best one in like 10 years. I do think there's a lot of really good quarterbacks in this class. Mm-hmm. That's going to be interesting. I like, because I like, is it going to be better than the Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence one? I, don't I mean, think maybe it's more be, people, but is I, anyone going to reach those two's level? I, that's that's the hard part. I don't know if they'll reach their levels, but I think they're going to have like six or seven dudes who are like, oh, this these are – these are good quarterbacks. We'll see. I don't. I don't know if I agree with that. Only because statistically, it almost never happens. Yeah, like half I mean, of them are going to fail. Yeah, I think going down the list, like you got guys like Nick Evers, uh, who's going to Oklahoma now with Venables. You got guys like Ty Simpson, who's going to Alabama. So if he ends up winning the job, he'll probably be pretty good. You got obviously the guys we've already mentioned, who all are going to re- pretty good programs. I think Cade's going to be interesting. Because he's going to Clemson, who floundered last year, and it's going to be it's going to like the ACC is not strong, but I think so. I think they could rebound, and I think he could come in and compete immediately for DJ's job. But yeah, he's going to have that job by game six. Yeah, it's going to be very it's similar be what to Trevor. With Trevor and Kelly yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly what's going to happen. Except he's not going to win a national championship his freshman year. Yeah, and uh, it's just because they're just not that good anymore. But no. I, I do think the class is talented. I think a lot of people have a lot of problems with Devin Brown being ranked number one and on three just because it was, like, so counter to what everyone else was saying. But, like, I, I'm, I've told you this, and I hate saying this because, like, I have seen all of these kids thrown next to each other in person. Like, I hate using that because I've seen it. I, I And I feel like if you went and got to see all these guys throw, the way the ball comes out of Devin Brown's hand, there's only – it doesn't come out of Kate Klubznick's that way. I'm just going to let you guys know. He's a really good quarterback. Devin Brown has one of those arms where it's just so wiry and explode. It, it's like, uh, and we talked about him earlier, and like regardless of how you feel about him, Aaron Rodgers does not look like he could throw the ball 75 yards in the air. He doesn't look like it. That's Devin Brown. He doesn't look like he throw a ball 75 yards, and he's throwing laser beams off platform all the time. So it's really just in this day and age, a lot of these high school quarterbacks in high school are going to look elite. It's really what coaches – are able to do with them and mold them into. Yeah, I I think so. I but do think I don't, he's I, be, I don't think he's the number one overall player. I well, I will say this: they backed it up with some interesting reasoning. I did read the article for why they picked him, and it was an it it, it made sense. Whether I agree or not, I don't know. They interviewed Ryan sense. Day about him, so I'm going to trust Ryan yeah. Day's quarterback evaluation too. So. <laughs> Yeah, also, I think there's a um, – I will say this, and I don't know that this is true, but I think that – I think – I'm going to use arbitrary numbers. Like, everyone plays Madden. If you have a quarterback in Texas who has a freshman, who has a senior in high school, is an 88, and you think you can get him to a 99 – and you have a quarterback in high school from Ohio who's an 86, and you think you can get him to a 97. Not not as good, but but close, very close, and he's from Ohio. I think you take the Ohio guy at Ohio State. And, and these arbitrary numbers, 
uh, Quinn Ewers is obviously the 99. Drew Aller is the 97, right? I think there's a reason Ohio State wasn't in on Drew Aller high. And Ohio State is not perfect. Everyone misevaluates people. Yeah. They do. But Ryan Day rarely misevaluates quarterback, especially a quarterback in his backyard that he doesn't ha- have to hop on a plane to go get. And I think there's a reason he went with Quinn Ewers Drew instead of Drew Aller. The guy. And I'm not saying that Drew Aller would have flipped, but there's nothing that actually came from Ohio State that said they recruited Drew Aller before they recruited Devin Brown when Quinn reclassified. Yeah, I think like, a lot of people was, just said like, hey, you should go get Drew Aller now because he left and he's from Ohio. Yeah, but, but I haven't seen anything that said that they did that. So I, I think there is something that the uh, the staff doesn't like about him. There's something I will say. Right. CJ Stroud in high school looked very similar to Devin Brown in high school, who looked very similar to Jack Miller in high school. And there's a Ryan Day has a type. He does. He likes yeah. a little mobility. He likes a lot of juice in the arm, and he likes you to be able to throw to all three levels consistently. And I don't think Drew Aller has shown that he can do it consistently to all three levels, but. That's probably a big part of why. And like you said, yeah. I think it's really interesting the point you brought up. Like Ryan Day has hit on every single quarterback he's brought into Ohio State's quarterback room, and he's not going for the kid in his own backyard. I think that's something that's interesting. Yeah, because it's just like it's just like I fully trust Brian Hartline right now. And I looked in the it was either twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four. The number one quote unquote wide receiver in that class, I think it's twenty twenty four, because I think twenty twenty three the number one guy is Brandon Ennis. But whatever it is, the number one wide receiver in a certain class didn't even have an Ohio State offer. Maybe it was a 2022 class, but the, he didn't even have an Ohio State offer. And it's like, in my opinion, I saw that. And I'm like, nope, he's not that good. Yeah, because and, if Brian if Brian Hartline's not giving you an offer. You're not the number one wide receiver in this class. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know. I won't go as far to say that Ryan Day has built that cachet because quarterbacks harder and there's a lot of quarterbacks, whatever. But like. For him not to recruit the guy in his backyard, the guy that he could drive two hours to go see instead of hopping on a plane, I think that says something to me. I'm, Ryan Day can be wrong. People have been wrong before. So I'm not saying that you need to listen to everything. I'm saying that he's saying it just intrigues me. And it's, some, it's definitely an interesting point that I didn't even think of until you brought it up. That's all. So we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, before we go, I, I mean, before we go, I kind of wanted to look at because the final rankings are in. So we get the final composite. I just kind of wanted to give a little roundup of what the Buckeyes are bringing in so far. There's still a few names out there. Nothing's finalized yet. There's still two or three guys Ohio State wants to get. And in what felt like a really stressful recruiting season for whatever reason, I feel like Ohio State ended up doing a pretty good job. And especially once you got the reclassification from Sonny Styles, like I, I think they really were able to get some get some momentum here at the end. And that that's exciting. I think everyone should really be excited about this this class. So uh, looking at it, uh, we're going to look at just kind of the numbers here, what Ohio State's finishing up with. How, how do you feel about how they closed out recruiting to this point with the final rankings being in? I know there's a few guys still out there. Yeah, I mean, I think they did good. Uh, very, very good defensive line class uh, to make up 
for some a couple subpar ones before last year. Um, I think they have some very intriguing for the second time in 30 seconds, which is odd. Some very uh, intriguing athletes at linebacker. We all forget Gabe Powers, but like Gabe Powers is a, is a legit dude. Um, I mean, yep. he won the Gatorade Ohio Player of the Year. And, and that's it wasn't no small feat. It wasn't C.J. Hicks or Sonny Styles. So and I he's like, a legit dude. I like when my linebackers and C.J. Hicks did this, Sonny Styles did this, uh, Gabe Powers did this. They play running back too. Like that means yep. they're incredible athletes. And yep. uh, Gabe Powers was a good edge rusher at his school in Marysville. Uh, Sonny Styles a good edge rusher. They brought in guys who can do multiple things, who have big bodies. And I think that's something like Sonny Styles. Like, if you guys haven't, go watch his basketball highlights. Like, it's insane what this dude is doing to kids. It's it's kind of yeah. unfair. Crazy athlete. Uh, I mean, they brought in four wide receivers, all different skill sets. Um, it's crazy to think that they need four wide receivers, but they actually are losing a decent amount of people. Uh, yeah. Got in another running back. Uh, I mean, I, overall, they got another quarterback. Like, I think, I think it's a really good class. And if it wasn't for Texas A&M going God level for some odd reason, like. It would it would maybe be looked a little bit higher, but like yeah. you know, it, when it says number four, and people think that's bad because Ohio State should be one, two, or three, but it's number four when Texas A and M went God level. They and have they had less twenty seven recruits. recruits than, yeah, yeah, they have less recruits, and their average player ranking to go into the weeds a little bit is really high. So, I mean, I think they did a really really good job, especially 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 considering that they couldn't commit to the staff. Yeah, because exactly. Everyone got fired. Yeah, <laughs> like, and that's huge too. So I, I just counted them up. This is a this is a soft count with the two hard commits included in it. But that's sixteen top two hundred players in what is that a twenty one person class? That's, that's, that's absurd. Solid. And uh, the ones who aren't top two hundred, one of them's probably the tight end because they never recruit tight ends. Yeah. They never give, and they the never tight ends just never high. rank well. Yeah, and then and um. Guy Stokes is one. one Ryan Turner is one who's not. Dallin Hayden is not. And they recruited Dallin Hayden early. George Fitzpatrick's not. Yep. Uh, and uh, George Fitzpatrick had it. I mean, it's only one service, but he had a stupid jump yeah. in two four seven. He's all the way up to one ninety five and two four seven. Not yeah, composite, so, but in their individual ranking, he had a really high jump, and he made it to the All American game, which means he's pretty solid. Like, and he did. And I'm pretty sure I, one of the Ohio State offensive linemen didn't do as good as they wanted to, and I think it was Fitzpatrick, but still getting there is a huge yeah, thing. But he was also going up against um, the best that one kid. Going he kept going against Caden Curry too. That's a, yeah, like, that's, that, that's hate crime right that, there. Like Buckeye on Buckeye crimes. That one kid that's going to Georgia is stupid. He's definitely a three and done guy. Yeah, uh, I can't yeah. think of his name, but he definitely embarrassed him a little bit. But yeah. like on on top of that, you know, we talked about the number four ranking nationally. Uh, but let's see, like the ninety three composite. Uh, it trails Texas A&M and Alabama, and that might get above Texas A&M's with the guys are still out there recruiting if they land the three guys they still want. Yeah, which is – I know Kristen Miller is one of them. Who are the other guys that's out there? Uh, they have the offensive lineman, I believe. Uh, not a recruiting oh. expert right now. Not Carson Henderson is, 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 is he's not included in the class. Is he because he hasn't signed yet, or is he included? Uh, he's not included in the class yet. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Yeah. So he's signing. 
because uh, I yeah. actually saw him tweet about that. He's signing. They're in the running for Kristen Miller, although it looks like he's going to Georgia. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I think they're still way to close this thing out strong. Uh, even with a 93 player average, the top end players in this class are incredible. So take that for what it's worth. But the last thing I think I kind of want to say on this is the high level defensive players are bringing in. That's exactly what they needed to do. They signed a top 100, or yeah, he's 103. So I'm going to call him a top 100 tackle integra Tishabula. Like they did a lot of incredibly good things in this class that you can't really discredit, especially given all the uncertainty. Like they are, they dominated on the offensive line uh, with some of the guys they got, and I think you get they a took good off. They got they a good offensive lineman from Wisconsin. Yeah, that's incredible. Like, come on, like that doesn't happen. <laughs> like you take an offensive lineman from Wisconsin, a guy that they that's really want an offensive like, line coach. Like that, that doesn't happen. I think you made up a, a really good point with the defense because for Ryan Day's first couple of classes, all of the five stars and stuff were all on offense. And I think he realized that, like, hey, I'm an offensive coach, but I need to balance out my recruiting. And Absolutely. I think there was a huge, like, all of, I think, I think I did the math at one point, like six or seven of the top 10 guys in the class are defensive players or something like that. Yeah. That is an absolute focus on defense that they went out and they said, we're not going to slack on offense, but we need to turn up our defensive recruiting. We can't have only five stars on offense. And they went out and did that. And I think that, um, it's very commendable, and I think we're going to see a difference in a couple of years when these guys are the starters on the defense. Yeah, and I think I, I just think it's fun. I think you know, seeing the final rankings go in, the composites are pretty much locked in. I, I think rivals did their finals and stuff, so we might see a few more changes here and there. But overall, uh, February is going to be here soon. Uh, the last signing day is coming up, so we're going to get this locked in, and then we'll really be able to deep dive into the class for you guys on this show. But I think, honestly, that's it for me. My final thoughts here, if I go first on this. Uh, Everyone on Ohio State's team got an additional support staff this year, and I think that's Ryan Day really taking this offseason serious. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a final thought. I think that's just important to recognize. I don't think a lot of people are paying enough attention to that because it's not the the interesting positions. But yeah, every um, position group on the field has immediate support staff coming in this year. Yeah, and that is a, a level of um, commitment from Ryan Day, a level of commitment from, from the athletic department because you have to pay them. And some of those guys make a lot of money. Parker Fleming, when he was a support staff, made seventy bands, and like. And, and I mean, that's nothing to the, not a lot, but yeah, but like that's that's, that's 10 big, people, particularly eight people or whatever that you're paying between 60 and 80 thousand dollars a year. The, the, the guy that I don't know his salary, but the guy that came from Duke was probably making a hundred thousand dollars or something. So I doubt he came over comparable. Yeah, like I doubt he came over here to make 50 bands. So it's like. That's a, a huge commitment in salary and in support and in structure and things like that that I do think is going to show a huge benefit. Yeah, and I, I just think it's something I wanted to point out. We've already kind of gone into the coaching staff a bunch of times so far in the offseason, but that's fun. Like every single person, we talked about GAs, we talked about that. They have direct support staff, and it's going to be it's going to be 
like I, I think a lot of people don't realize how much that's going to help the current staff with game prep, with planning, and all that stuff. Because now they have, uh, for lack of a better term, they have lackeys to do all the the legwork on a lot of that stuff, so they can focus on the more important things. Yeah, and that allowed. I mean, there's just. I think you said it perfectly. I don't. I was just gonna repeat what you said in my own words. Yeah, it's important to have support staff for ideas, for culture. Young guys take the work off some of your uh, your coaches. Connect with players. Balance, connect, like there's a million things that they do, um, and, and they definitely go underappreciated. And like you're gonna see a lot of these guys get bigger jobs over the years, and it's all gonna start with what they build at Ohio State. Like it's funny to think about that. At one point in time, Urban Meyer was support staff at Ohio State, and then he became one of the greatest college football coaches in the history. Yeah. Uh, I think this would actually be an interesting thing to do, uh, but there are a lot of coaches who are coaching right now that used to work at Ohio State. Mel yeah. Tucker used to work at Ohio State. Like players, that, coaches that you don't even think about who are some of the bigger names in sports right now who are on those Jim Trestle teams. Like support staff matters. And, and really the last thing that I have to say about it is, hey – Maybe in 10 years, Coy McFarlane is a defensive coordinator here. And I said him just because I remembered his name and I don't remember any of the other support staff's name. But, like, you start that now. He yeah, goes out. Like uh, we said, uh, resume uh, yeah, exactly. You you do if you do with him what Ryan Day did with um, Justin Fry, or maybe Keenan Bailey when they finally when uh, when uh, Brian Hartline is finally the offensive coordinator. Now Keenan ba- Keenan Bailey's the wide receivers coach. Like you put these people, you build them through the program, you put them out there, get some get some shine on them, and then you bring them back when they're ready. Uh, so it's. Is very important. Yeah. And uh, to quote Looney Tunes, I think that's all, folks. So uh, that's it for me. You guys can find me on Twitter at Chris Rennie CFB. You can find the show on Twitter at Bug Off Pod. Uh, where do we find you, Jordan? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at JordanW330. Uh, and that's all. Go Bucks. Yeah. Uh, go Bucks. Adios, guys.